Hello, friends. Great to have you here on the Coffee and Beer podcast. I'm your host, Nick Penizzato, and joined by, as always, the doctor, Mr. Mike Groman. We're sponsored by Black Rifle Coffee Company. Black Rifle Coffee Company was built on the mission to serve coffee and culture to people who love America. Today, our guests are going to be Jason Nickerson and Zach Smith from American Outdoor Brands. We're going to be talking tripods, backpacks, knives, and hunting. It is getting to be that time of year. We need to make sure we have all of our gear in place and uh, looking forward to talking to Jason and Zach, our friends from AOB. With that, let's say hello to a man that celebrated his birthday by pressure washing his house, the doctor, Mr. Mike Groman. Now, Mike, did you at least have some cake and ice cream or something? I mean, come on, man. No, no, just because um, we always celebrate with our children, and we're down in Pennsylvania right now, so we'll probably plan a trip up there and get everybody together and do a one and done. Yeah, I get that. You know, at least you have a summer birthday, right? So, like, mine's in February, and so... (laughs) I mean, we, it's not like we can like do anything outside or, you know, we're just, we're happy to just do anything, right? It's going to be indoors. So you have a summer birthday. It gives you at least some options, right? To do some neat stuff. It does. It does. And it's um, always been something that for me, it's easy to look forward to. Like for when I was younger, parties, kids were always off for school and it gave them something to do. So I always did have decent birthday parties. Yeah. Yep, I get it. Well, we should have another one. Like, you know, you and I should have got together. We we can always postpone and do that another time. But uh, happy birthday, man. Thank you. Appreciate another, it. Another trip around the sun. Hey, I want to remind people uh, that our next episode will be an Ask NDA Anything episode. So get your questions in. Uh, hopefully you have a few. We got several last time, several great questions. And so I would expect, too, at this point in the year, we start getting more sort of hunting-related questions uh, I don't know, Mike, if anyone really values our opinion on on hunting and scenarios and that type of thing, but maybe there's someone out there that might have a good question for us. Well, and I think we are just two people, but we've had a lot of hunting experience, you more than I, but we're very practical. And I think the information we give is just good to get the conversation out there. I think at the end of the day, asking a question is important, but also getting out there and applying and being very aware of what's going on then with a little bit more knowledge is really what makes us the good hunters that we are as we evolve through our career. So questions well, are great. Yeah. And all joking aside, I mean, we all, let's put it this way. I don't think I've ever met the person that's like, you know what, they just are the expert and they know it all. And they knew exactly what to do every time and it always works out i mean that's just not it's not really realistic in anything let alone deer hunting and so you and i are both avid listeners of other podcasts we also aren't afraid to ask questions you can learn something from anybody i mean i could uh, go out there and learn something from a you know a teenage hunter that had figured something out right just as much as that person could learn from me And so always just keep your mind open and you never know where you might get that little morsel of information. Uh, I do that in other things too. Like just being a baseball coach, I listen to baseball podcasts and sometimes I'll listen to a podcast for 45 minutes and not get anything really out of it. And then all of a sudden, boom, there'll be that one sentence that somebody says and the light bulb goes off. And I just think it's always wise, no matter what you do to kind of sharpen the saw. So maybe we'll help sharpen somebody's saw, Mike. Sounds good. All right. Hey. 
Let's go ahead and get to the interview and let's learn something from our guests today, Jason Nickerson and Zach Smith of American Outdoor Brands. Joining us today on the Coffee and Beer podcast, I am pleased to introduce to you Jason Nickerson and Zach Smith from American Outdoor Brands. And so uh, it's always fun when we have multiple guests on here because uh, we do multiple introductions and and uh, sometimes the introduction takes half the show, which is good because there's always cool stuff to talk about. But uh, on Jason's end, let's start with you, Jason. Uh, Jason, yeah. you're the senior brand manager with American Outdoor Brands. I am. Uh, you are, yes. <laughs> yeah. And, so that's, and it also helps to get the title right, which there is go. good. <laughs> uh and you're also, uh, you're an outdoorsman through and through. I mean, you go to your Instagram page and, uh, you know, it looks like a Cabela's catalog there uh, <laughs> loaded with uh, photos and everything from uh, whitetails to fish to turkey and geese. So uh, you don't leave too many stones unturned. And you're going to talk to us today in a little bit about some things going on with uh, with uh, with Bog and the Death Grip Tripod in particular. We're going to talk backpacks. But yes. uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about you? Where are you from? And uh, how has your journey led you to American Outdoor Brands? So I grew up down in St. Charles, Missouri, down in the suburb of St. Louis. Uh, I went to school up in Northwest Missouri and then just kind of settled here in the in the midsection of Columbia. So I started working for in the industry for Midway UFA back in 2006. So I worked my way up through there from when I first started there, I was writing copy for every product in the building and doing recommendations and reviews and all that. Uh, by the time I left there, I was running archery, camping, black powder, knives and tools, and the hunting lines. So I left there in 2017. And uh, so not a lot of people know that what American Outdoor Brands is now kind of started with Larry Potterfield also started that. Um, yeah, it was Battenfeld Technologies back then. So I guess I kind of kept it in the family and came over here to AOB. And I really wanted to kind of broaden my base and kind of learn things on a different side of the business. So not that I, you know we all have things we can be better about in this and that, but I also wanted to make myself partially more valuable. And then also I just enjoy kind of a 360 way of doing business. So I wanted to learn this side. Uh, I came over as the product development manager. So I was for the first, I think 10 months, I was in charge of doing all the kind of managing the product development process for all of our brands and uh, moved up to brand manager. And I think it was April of 18 and haven't really looked back since then. So I started off with seven brands uh, seven hunting brands when I started brand manager and I, uh, I only have to run one now as a senior, but then I also get to oversee a bunch of rock stars like Zach that, uh, you know, they just make me look good. That's all. I don't really do much. I don't contribute much. <laughs> well, to be honest with you, that's exactly, exactly why the doctor's on the podcast here uh, to carry the show and make me look better. So yeah, I, I understand ex exactly what you're talking about. I want to follow up on a couple of things you said though, before we get mm -hmm. to Zach. So, um, first of all, yeah, you were doing a lot and you had a lot of different categories, but I mean, a, you're expert in all of them based on your Instagram. So, uh, at least, at least dabbled enough in them, right? Like, uh, yeah. Zach's the big waterfowl guy. I didn't grow up doing that, but I, it's something that I enjoy doing when I can, but Turkey, I'd say Turkey is my favorite, um, deer is right, right there with it. And, uh, try to do a little bit of everything. I'd like to, again, on my base, not only in business, but hunting as well. And some things stick out more than others, but that's, uh. Yeah, if you go into my house right now, like 
I'm not, I don't have a girlfriend. I'm not married or any of that stuff. I'm not trying to like do a shameless plug or anything, but uh, if you walked in my house <laughs> right now, we will post I, pictures. Uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, if you walked in my house right now, you would easily be able to weed out people who would not identify with my lifestyle because there's taxidermy everywhere in the front room. There's bear, uh, elk, deer, turkeys everywhere, geese, you name it. So it's yeah, uh, I was pretty efficient gonna, like that. I was actually going to say, Jason, um, I know your Instagram kind of looks like a Cabela's catalog, but your your basement also looks like the showroom at a Cabela's as well. You got <laughs> quite a bit of taxidermy down there. So it's aggressive. Definitely, uh, definitely got some trophies. Yes. Well, I think there are some key takeaways here. Number one, he's not married or has a girlfriend, <laughs> so it makes it possible <laughs> to do all those things. Well, and second of all, true. yeah, I mean, I hope you, if you, if you, you know, are dating somebody and you invite them over for the first time, I hope you do give them a warning, you know, before they oh, walk yeah. in the door. <laughs> yeah. If there's an elk beagling their face as soon as they walk in, I, I don't think that's the first impression that you're looking for. Probably not. Now you said yeah. you went to school in Northwest Missouri. Did you go to Northwest yes. Missouri state by chance? I did. Yep. Ah. I did. I graduated in 04. All right. Bearcats are represented here. On oh, the yeah. Show. yeah. Yeah. So we live yeah. in a small college town. Well, the doctors moved back to New York, but uh, very familiar. We have a division two football team here and very okay. familiar with Northwest Missouri state. So yeah, they were, uh, they were pretty good. I think they still are, but uh, yes. they definitely were when I was up there for sure. So yeah, no doubt. All right, boy, this is going to be hard to beat Zach. We're going to turn it over to you. So you're the associate. <laughs> yeah. You're the associate brand manager of AOB. Um, and you're, you're the same way. You're like a carbon copy in terms of, you know, looking at your Instagram. Also, we have, I also see, we have something in common with baseball. So I saw some cool baseball stuff on there. Uh, you're going to talk to us in a second about trade, but I'm, I'm dying to dig in a little more into what Zach's all about. So the floor is yours. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, absolutely. Grew up in Fulton, Missouri, uh, first couple years of my life before moving to St. Louis, uh, went to Ford's and West High School, not too far from Jason. He was kind of a, a rival at a different time, um, but ended up going back to Fulton uh, to play baseball at William Woods University and kind of found my path to AOB, um, just really looking for something in, in the industry. Uh, That's something that I've always enjoyed doing in my free time as a hobby, but I thought, man, if, you know, if there was ever something um, in mid Missouri, you know, where I had the opportunity to kind of work in the hunting space. I thought that would be great and really never thought that would be a possibility. There's not too much going on in Columbia, Missouri, but, um, when AOB expanded, I kind of decided to bet on myself and, um, take an entry level position in order management. Um, so I was doing a lot of, uh, manual order entry and things like that. Um, kind of just making sure orders got out, all that fun stuff. Uh, that's not really that fun. Um, got into marketing actually uh, by meeting Jason and uh, kind of enrolling in our mentorship program that we had at AOB. So I kind of got to learn under Jason for a little bit uh, when a spot opened up for me to come down and be the marketing coordinator under him for Bog and Straight. So that's kind of where it started for me in the marketing sense. Um, and since then, you know, there's just been opportunities for me to uh, move up, which I've been really grateful for uh, with AOB. And uh, that being said, I kind of um, alleviated my roles of coordinator for BOG as Jason became the senior brand manager and I kind of stepped up to be the associate brand manager of Schrade. So um, that's kind of how I got to Schrade. Um, not a not a huge knife guy until I was put in that position, but now I, I can't get enough of them and I, I really enjoy it. I've learned a lot and I know there's still a bunch to learn, but really eager to do that. 
Doctor, I would ask you, do you have a knife collection? Because what he, what Zach just said there kind of sat with me. Like I'm, I'm not, I don't consider myself a knife guy either, but I do have a pretty decent collection I've grabbed over from the industry over the years. So I'm just curious, you and I never talk about knives. Um, I guess I don't really have a collection, but I have a lot of tools and all of my knives I use for a specific reason. I mean, I have a you know, a pocket carry knife that I have always on me. I have one in the truck. I have my butchering set, obviously. I have my favorite gutting knife. I mean, so I I have a lot and they're all specific tools and I use them on a regular basis, but I don't I don't uh, collect them in that sense. Well, I'm looking forward to this conversation. And by the way, I have a knife for you. We're going to talk about that knife. I've been holding out for this show to tell you I have one for you. So, uh, and, and by the way, Zach is, you can't see this, but Zach is definitely winning the beard game uh, yeah. here. And oh. Zach, you didn't have that at all when I saw you, like, like you just grow that this week or what? Yeah. I mean, it, it comes and goes pretty quick. I get tired of it from time to time and restart, but it, yeah, it, it grows a little faster than I would like. I can't really keep, <laughs> keep my face too clean. So, uh, but yeah, you know, I don't know when fall comes around I start to think about growing it out a little bit longer and not keeping it so maintained and things like that. So we're, we're approaching that now. So I'm just trying to get a head start. Love it. <laughs> true, true waterfowler, man. Got to have the beard yeah. to go with it. Got to keep that face warm, man. It gets, gets cold out there. I hear you. I don't know my experience. Most of my experience duck hunting, my face was never cold because someone was always giving you like food that they were cooking in the duck blind. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's a, that's a subject for another show. Hey, let's turn it over to this. Um, we've talked about American outdoor brands uh, just a couple of times here, kicking it around in our conversation, but I'd like you guys to take a moment and tell our audience just about AOB and all the different brands that you have, because man, they're going to be familiar with an awful lot of the names, I think. Yeah. So, uh, AOB, like I said, it used to be Battenfeld Technologies, uh, Smith and Wesson had bought them for private equity back in, I think it was 2016, if I'm not mistaken. And then just a couple of years ago, we split apart as two separate public companies. So we're not at all affiliated with Smith West anymore. We just kind of went our separate ways and, and, uh, treat business a little bit differently now. So, we have 21 accessory brands, so that's the that's the businesses, the accessories. So they touch anywhere from uh, grill to grill, so outdoor cooking. We've got a meat processing brand called Meat Your Maker that we started in 19, I believe it was, maybe 2020. Actually, took off, started uh, taking off, and then you know we bog and Caldwell and Schrade and Frankfurt Arsenal and basically all the Smith Wesson M&P knives. Um, it kind of it gets a pretty spectrum. Huey Man tools is. A lot of our listeners will probably be pretty familiar with Crimson Trace and all that. So, yeah, definitely, and I'll I'll provide information at the end of the show for folks to go check out the AOB website where they've got the list of brands, and there are a lot of them. I also want to say about AOB too: uh, the National Deer Association has a nice relationship with you all. We do a, a shared field to fork event. Uh, not too far from Jefferson City, Missouri there. Uh, we do a nice little mixer the evening before, which is always fun. And we've taken a lot of uh, antlerless deer off of some farms there that have made the landowners pretty happy. That has just been a showcase event for us that we really enjoy doing. And then the relationship that we have uh, with Bog and Trade, which we're going to talk a little bit more about those products here. And so uh, we just continue to look forward to growing that relationship. And we always like to tell our listeners, listen, you're going to need 
most of the things from the different brands that these folks sell. And so please support the people who support us. And that's why it's important for us to, to highlight not only the products, but the people behind them. So uh, we definitely appreciate that. So um, with that, let's just jump right into some of these products. Now, I've had a chance to see some of these at the ATA show and some of them before they've even been announced that they were going to hit the market. And there's some really cool stuff. And so it's, I'll leave it up to you guys. Do you want to start on the Schrade side and talk knives or do you want to start on the bog side? Go for it, Zach. Yeah, I'll take it away. Um, I think there's, you know, I guess I could give a little bit of background of trade. I think it's very historic and probably worth uh, filling some of the listeners in just on on the history before we kind of get into where we are now. So um, dating all the way back to 1892 is kind of when George Schrade, which is, you know, the founder of Schrade, um, came out with the first, it will secure the first push button auto patent. Um, so kind of adding automatic to a knife was unheard of in 1892. And he was kind of the one to do that and secure the first patent for it. Um, and then moving forward to 1904 is when he started trade, the Schrade Cutlery Company. So um, the Schrade brand dates all the way back to 1904. It's super historic. Uh, and up through the early 1940s, it was really known for, um, you know, automatic knives, pocket knives, things like that. Um, into the 50s, 60s, and 70s is when uh, Schrade kind of made a, a name for itself in the hunting space. Um, and then here we are in 2022. Uh, we just completely rebranded um, Schrade, new designs, new materials, affordable options, kind of a little bit of everything. Um, but what I think you'll see is as you look through the line, uh, whether it's everyday carry or uh, maybe some, you know, outdoor camp stuff or um, hunting options, we've kind of taken the DNA of Schrade all the way back from 1892 and 1904 and all the way through the 50s and 60s. We've kind of incorporated that into a new modernized lineup. So um, it's a really exciting time for Schrade, I think. Uh, a, lo a lot of new products, over over 100, which is a little overwhelming at times for, for me as the brand manager, but it's been, it's been really great. It's been really well received. Uh, we brought some stuff back to the USA for the first time in over 20 years, so that was huge for us. Um, but what you'll see in, in the hunting line is a lot of really affordable options with some um, tough steel. So uh, where some competitors may be using, you know, 7CR, 8CR, which is a, a respectable steel in a sense. Um, we kind of stepped it up and, and started using OS 10. So what you'll find with that is a little bit more edge retention. Um, it's a little easier to sharpen. and It's going to maintain an edge a little bit longer for you. So kind of kind of trying to set ourselves apart as we move forward, not only in, in new modern designs, but um, across the whole line with materials as well. Um, so within our hunt section, you'll see uh, my personal favorite would be the isolate section before I get to the, uh, the big product offering that we're coming out with uh, very, very soon. Um, but within the, the isolate line of knives, you've got a drop point, a caper, um, two bone saws and an ultimate, which is kind of a, a skinning blade with a gut hook up top. So uh, really just tools that you, you know, from point A to A to Z in the processing um, circuit, you would be able to do that with straight knives now, which you haven't been able to for, for a while. Um, so we're really excited about the hunting offering that we've came out with. We've got some other great options in there, but I think the, 
The biggest one to highlight is our collaboration with Rage Broadheads. So we've uh, collaborated with Rage Broadheads on the Shrade and Rage series. And that is a line of replaceable blade knives with three different handle options. One of them being a full non-slip. Um, the other two are kind of a carbon fiber, two different types of carbon fiber that kind of add a little bit of luxury to uh, the replaceable blade line of knives. Uh, but really the concept for us was, you know, let's take... Um, let's take the experience that we have in making folding knives and uh, collaborate with someone who has a great name and in, in the broadhead space um, for a replaceable blade knife. And we uh, partnered up with rage and we're, we're super excited about that. So there's three different sizes, three different handle options. All of them will come with a sheath and a really, really cool dual sided blade case that will allow you to take the blade off without actually having to touch it. I know that's, kind of a pain point with some other replaceable blade knives on the market is it's not necessarily the most safe to uh, change your blade out when you're ready. So we've kind of um, implemented a solution to that with the dual sided blade case that'll make it super safe and super easy. Um, and then, like I said, just really, uh, really interested, um, really intrigued, I guess, just to uh, be working with Rage Broadheads. I know I'm 26 now. So growing up throughout a lot of my early life, Rage has been, you know, one of the the main players in the broadhead space. So just to think that, you know, now I'm in a position to be working with them on a collaborate collaboration. I'm super excited about that. But uh, all in all, I think the Enrage line is going to make a lot of noise this fall. And um, we're excited to be working with you guys um, and kind of putting that out there for some people to see. Yeah, I mean, I can tell you that whenever we were first stopping by at the show to meet with you guys, that immediately was eye-catching, that knife. And so, um, yeah, I have one for you, Doctor. You're going to get one of these nice new uh, Rage Broadhead replaceable blade knives. And I will say, having been a replaceable blade knife user, it always has been dangerous replacing the blades on the knife that I used to use before I got this one. So uh, I don't know, Mikey, up for it. It's pretty pretty hot item. Oh, I'm, I'm up for it and I appreciate it. Thank you a lot. Um, so Zach, let's back up just a little bit because for those listeners out there that might not be knife aficionados, you were actually going through um, steel ratings, you know, like C7, et cetera. And yeah. just explain the the ratings, why different types of like a high carbon steel is better for specific knives that people want to keep and maintain and potentially pass them down as a family heirloom yeah for sure so uh high carbon is really going to help with corrosion resistance so that's definitely a good benefit to austin and Aussate, as well as seven and eight cr um corrosion resistance is kind of key when you're you know uh processing animals obviously your knives are going to get wet tacky um bloody obviously um so that is a big thing, um, corrosion resistance, as well as just edge retention. Um, that's a big thing. You obviously want to maintain an edge as long as you can, so you're not constantly having to sharpen. So that's where OS uh, 10 is going to kind of set itself apart from any of those lower-end steels. Uh, but what's interesting is you don't really see a lot of OS 10 knives for, you know, like the isolate knives I'm talking about. You don't really see a lot of OS 10 steel knives um, for $25 or less. So. I think that's where we really set ourselves apart is, you know, yes, we're using better materials, but we're also um, very, very competitive on price. And, and I think um, 
you know, there's a lot of measurements that go into steel, toughness, hardness, uh, corrosion resistance, edge retention, ease of sharpening. And OS 10 is uh, just a little more well-rounded in all of those than a 7CR and 8CR. So that's kind of why we made that decision. Obviously, sometimes we've all been in multiple different hunting scenarios where sometimes you have access to your house or your truck and you're a couple hundred yards away. And sometimes you're, you know, in Wyoming, like uh, we've done before where we're, uh, we're not close to home. So we need tools that are going to, you know, make it through the trip without having to sharpen or do anything like that. So um, that's how we settled on Austin uh, over what you would normally see in a hunting knife for, you know, $25. Um, that's, that's definitely the, the reason that we did that. We wanted to kind of give the best bang for the buck. So I like, I like your answer and I think you made everything very clear. So let's keep on that track uh, before I let you go on this one. And let's talk about knife care. So, you know, we have our knives, even though they're, they're very affordable, they're, they're still a good quality tool from Schrade. And let's say that we want to make sure that we have a, a lifelong knife. What are some things that people can do to take care of their knives? Or what are some things that you've seen that are definitely really a poor practice in regards to edge retention or just taking care of your knife in general? Yeah, I think so starting off with edge retention, obviously cutting anything like super, super hard is going to put some stress on the blade, um, not in the sense that it's going to break, but just on the edge. So um, I think, you know, keeping your knife that you're using for processing for processing alone and not, you know, cutting anything else with it, that would be the main thing for edge retention. Uh, as far as like long term care, I think the biggest thing after processing is um, getting, you know, some of the uh, the blood and stuff off. Let's, you know, let's not leave it on there. Let's go ahead and clean it, uh, dry it and put it away clean rather than I'm guilty of it too from time to time of maybe uh, it's a late, late night. Uh, maybe you got to wait before you can start blood trailing your deer. Uh, by the time you get done processing, it's really late and you just don't feel like it. I would just really urge people to go ahead and clean it, you know, immediately. Um, go ahead and get all that stuff off there and get it dry. Um, and you'll you'll never have a problem with it. The the other thing about trade as well is, uh, you know, up the limited lifetime warranty that we offer on our knives is is pretty awesome. So um, as long as you're not doing anything too crazy, uh, we do have a limited lifetime warranty. Uh, does doing something too crazy, like leaving your knife in the woods, I'm guessing that doesn't count, but, but I think that you have yeah, addressed that. Yeah, that would probably not count. <laughs> yeah, but you have these nice, I mean, super bright green handles. Like, I feel like I might not even lose one. So I feel good about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, then that's, that's you know, it is our brand color, but it also fit really well in, in the woods. It really stands out, especially in the fall when everything's kind of starting to die off. Um, that bright green really pops, so... <laughs> Um, that is, you know, the main reason that we chose that as well as it is our brand color, but it works really well for both. Um, and then I think the great thing about that handle as well is as it gets a little wet, it will get, uh, it will get tackier. It won't get more slippery. Um, like some knives, I don't know if you guys are familiar with like the Bubba electric fillet knife where, uh, or any Bubba grip on a knife when it gets wet, it gets tackier. So that, that, um, DNA is kind of carried over to the isolate line of knives, um, both in the enrage isolate and, you know, the fixed plate isolates as well. Yep. Love it. Well we thought out. Sh product. We should say. Oh, go ahead, Jason. 
Oh, sorry. Uh, I was just going to say, you should say, we want you to leave your knife in the woods, but uh, <laughs> yeah. you, you know, you think about that when you're doing it, you're like, well, camo will get lost easy, more sales there. But uh, now we're all about the a good customer experience and nobody likes to leave their knife in the woods. And <laughs> No. And that green color, it's interesting because I haven't, I have one, uh, I've, I've seen to want to pick orange because I worry about losing things and orange does not stand out like you might think it would, especially in the fall woods. And so there have been many right. times where I've had to look, but that green really, really stands out. It almost glows in the dark. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just for those fixed blades as well that we're kind of discussing. Um, so I think another big upsell uh, for them is the built-in knife sharpener on the sheath. So um, on each sheath, there will be a little slot. You're not going to put an entire new edge on your blade, but if you were out somewhere remote, you didn't have um, maybe access to walk all the way back to the truck or hike all the way out, um, you would be able to use that built-in knife sharpener to just kind of touch your edge up to get you through the job before you can get back to a more uh, stable sharpening environment. Yep. Yes. Very well thought out. And I'm looking forward to hopefully sharing a bunch of pictures with mine here this fall. So, all right, let's go ahead and switch gears here. Jason, I'm going to give you the floor now and we're going no. to talk. Yeah. We're going to talk <laughs> uh, tripods and, and backpacks and whatever else you want to tell us about. So you're up. Perfect. Uh, so Bog, we rebranded Bog in 2019, uh, started to work in 18, of course, and then kind of came fresh out the gate with it in 19 uh, at ATA show and all that as well. So it was blog pod before uh, Kim Hicks was the original owner of the brand and made awesome brand, awesome products. Uh, it was just kind of one of those things that had a certain size following. And uh, so they, I think this brand was bought. I cannot remember now. I should know this is the brand manager, but uh, this is bought, I think somewhere right around that time, that 2016, 2014, 2016 timeframe. And when we did this rebrand, the idea was like, what else can we do, right? So the shooting stick market is only so big and it only will ever be so big. But the idea behind this is like, if we set this up to where we can have future growth in other categories, um, bog pods very limiting. So we saw a change over to the the, uh, name, just bog. And at the same time as we were releasing this new name and this new look and feel, we came to Death Grip Tripod, which has been the flagship of our product lineup, of course. And and we weren't the first clamping tripod out there. There's a lot of great tripods out there. What the problem is, is that the cheapest you would find one was $800 up to, you know, $1,500, $2,000. And uh, that's great. We'll leave that market to those guys. They make fantastic tripods. You won't hear me bash competitors on this at all or anywhere at any time. But uh, you know, we knew what our, our niche was. And, and some of that came from our Caldwell roots. I mean, we're Caldwell's a big brand in this company and, and uh, we have a certain style customer and, and uh, with Bog, we want to make sure that we built something that was, that anyone could use, even with expensive taste or, but also somebody that could use that maybe didn't have as much to spend on, on their product and gear and all that stuff. So uh, they came out with the death grip. And then this last year we came out with the death grip infinite. So the original death grip was just a fixed head. Uh, it was kind of a heavier tripod and and we knew that going in. We, you know, when we set this lineup up, we already knew what we were going to be doing five years down the road because we do that here. And uh, so the idea was to originally send something that could go in and compete at a lower price point somewhere in that trigger stick market, if you will, and just give more for the money. Right. And that's that's kind of a bog's mantra is to offer the best product and the best value proposition out there. So. That was a fixed head, a little heavier. We came out with the Death Grip Infinites and the Sherpas last year, and that is a ball-headed version uh, that obviously gives you infinite adjustment or almost infinite adjustment. And then uh, it has Arca Swiss 
plate system in it as well. So that allows you to pop off the death grip head. You can put your optics plate on for spotting scopes or binoculars. You can throw an SLR camera on there. Uh, and then also as we were doing that, we really saw a weight savings. That was, again, you know, it was very integral as we raised the price points of these. We're going to be competing with stuff that's a little higher up and uh, we need to be matching or close to them on weight. So, uh, you know, even on our top end, we're at three ninety nine retail for that death grip infinite. It's still an incredible value proposition for a customer that goes out and wants that. So, and you're looking at, I think five and a half pounds on that tripod alone. So we were able to kind of bridge the gap between high end uh, quality products and the price point. I always think that's key because that's what, you know, people are looking for that. They say they're always doing those searches. What is the best value, best quality for my money? And so they're right. always trying to find that sweet spot. And I can tell you, having touched these things, they are incredible. And I do not consider myself at all a very steady firearm shooter, or you could even use a crossbow or whatnot. Man, <laughs> if you can't hit something with these things, uh, it might, might be time to come up with another pursuit, right? It's a game changer. I, I, before I, started as bog i didn't even probably the first year in i mean you've got to learn your product right it's i think mark cuban said one time you've you know you got to eat your own dog food and um so i was always like you lay on the ground with the bipod or you use your backpack or this or that but this thing is an absolute game changer you couldn't the beauty thing about this if you set up on a bean field rifle season <clears throat> excuse me and then you want to shoot 350 yards you put that rifle in there and set it that direction and you could either be sitting on a chair and a blind whatever and it's just like shooting off a bench and that is I think what we've seen is we have a big influx of youth and new hunters as well. They're using these, but guys like me, they've been around for 30 years hunting. It's uh, it's kind of refreshed things and made you a better shot and made you a little more successful and, and thoughtful on that stuff. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up youth because that was something crossing my mind or just new hunters. I mean, we use these things for our field to fork events. Uh, it just makes things so much easier for somebody to, to hold steady. And at the end of the day, I mean, it's, I don't want to hear from the person says, oh, that's cheating. Or I mean, it's, ne <laughs> it's never cheating if your goal is to achieve a swift and clean kill. And whatever tool it takes for you to do that exactly. is what we recommend. And I think this tool certainly does that. Hello, friends. I want to take a quick break from the show to talk about the Bog Death Grip series of tripods. In 2022, Bog took on the unenviable task of making the best hunting tripod on the market even better. And in true bog fashion, they went out and did it. With new features such as an interchangeable Arca Swiss mounting system and an ultra-smooth, infinitely adjustable ball head, it's easy to see how the next generation of Death Grip is the best yet. I personally had a chance to get my hands on the Death Grip tripods and I can tell you, they're rock solid. Even I would have trouble missing a target using one and that's saying something. They're particularly helpful for younger new hunters, but there isn't anyone that wouldn't benefit from the aiming assistance the Death Grip tripods provide. Be sure to check them out at boghunt.com. That's boghunt.com. Let's uh, talk about backpacks a little bit. Yeah. So talked about a little bit ago, just, you know, with the tripods, you know, the idea behind that and, and the backpacks are no different. Like, so we want to offer high quality gear, um, feature rich. We want to solve problems as a brand. That's our motto is to solve problems that people don't even necessarily realize they have. 
um, but then give it to them at the right price. So we saw an opening. This is another one that's been on my list for quite a while, but we're, we try to be very strategic when we come out with new items and make sure that they mesh well with our lineup and we're giving the right value proposition. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So the backpacks were in that lineage. They're very similar to the Death Grip in that we're providing this super high quality product. It's a lightweight, high capacity carrying backpack lineup. Uh, that is a fraction of the cost of the of the uh, the competitors and kind of see, you know, who we really were looking at from a standpoint of competitors was like a Badlands. Obviously, Badlands has had probably the best distribution of any backpack company out there uh, over a certain course of time. I, I bought backpacks when I was in Midway, so I was very familiar with the categories. Um, but we also wanted to line up with ourselves with Kuyu and Stone Glacier because those guys make great pr products. Um, they're products that people want, and they those are kind of the ones that we look at as far as uh, competition, the people that are in that space. But with those two companies, and Stone Glacier starting to get some distribution now, but you know they were <clears throat> excuse me niche. I don't know if niche is the right word, but somewhat niche and and just limited distribution. So we saw an opportunity with our footprint that Bog offers and AOB offers at retail uh, to kind of go after them and, and provide a product that we think is very comparable uh, with a better price point and that is something that customers can see on the shelf at their local retailers. So there's a, the lineup is basically nine bags, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, but they go anywhere from, we started with a, uh, the Vigilant Mino Harness. That is the beginning of the whole backpack. Uh, we've got a lumbar fanny. We have two day pack options, and then we have a Western system. So there's what we call the inception backpack frame, and it links up to either the Helix 500, which is obviously a 3,500 cubic inch backpack or a frame bag, or the Helix 6,000. <clears throat> Sorry, guys, <laughs> a little bit of froggy this morning with my coffee. But uh, so anyway, we we kind of said, you know, the, I talked about before, right? I sold this category and I knew the challenges were out there and a lot of the backpacks in the hunting space are extremely well built maybe even overbuilt and really heavy so we're starting to see a push towards lighter weight products these days but but uh we want to kind of help lead that charge as well at distribution so you're going to see our backpacks our day packs are we have two options under three and a half pounds um 2400 and 2900 cubic inch capacity so you know, we we're advertising it's up to 25% more capacity than the competition for the weight. So, and then the same thing out with the Western packs, your frame system on the top end weighs five pounds, 11 ounces. That's with the 6,000 carry bag um, and the frame. These, all these bags come with rain covers and gun boots, you know, to kind of go back to more why we did this. There's other, with other companies, you're buying add-ons. The customer has to buy the backpack and then they've got to buy the rain cover. They got to buy the the gun boots and all that stuff. So as part of our value proposition, not alone at the price, but we're kind of keeping everything as standard. So you get everything as standard. You don't have to go and buy another add-on and be frustrated that you didn't have it when you ordered it. Definitely something for everybody. And, uh, you know, you mentioned Western packs and so on. I think a lot of people think about packs in particular in the West, but, you know, uh, Mike, you can chime in here too, but you, you know, where you and I hunt even, we have so much variability in the different places we might go. And so having that flexibility, different options, and even within the same pack uh, can be, can be quite beneficial. Right. Because I noticed that my pack contents change from early season to mid season to late season. So I like a pack that can handle all of that variability in in one simple, because I, once I become familiar with a pack, I like it and I know it, you can deal with it in the dark. So, um, so real quick, uh, why don't yeah. you uh, break down 
if someone was a, a day hunter, you know, down south, you know, eastern, midwest, yep. daytime hunter, um, what would be your favorite pack choice for that? And then let's talk about a, a, a like a western kind of a, a remote where you might have to haul some meat out pack. Yep. I mean, so give us the give us the bookends there. Perfect. So kind of what you described is probably perfect for what we call our kinetic, and that's our opening day pack lineup or a product. So it is 2,400 cubic inches. So it's pretty oversized. You know, when we set out the project, we was we kind of thought we'd be at 1,800 to 2,000 cubic inches, uh, just to the weight we wanted to get to, and uh, ended up being able to pull off 2,400 cubic inches. But this product it just weighs uh, three pounds of one ounce, so call it three three pounds. Uh, so it's lightweight, and kind of how we got to doing that, put in a 420D ripstop. It's a micro ripstop. It's kind of a aerobic style, if you will. Uh, so uh, this one of those things. It's kind of a it's a very tough lightweight fabric, um, even all the way to the rain cover. We have a ripstop in that as well. Um, but there is, it's got an EVA foam backer. They've got the wraparound waist belt with the zipper pockets on the front. So if you want to put a handheld release, if you're shooting your bow, uh, you can put anything out there. You could put a little uh, Quaker granola bar or something if you wanted to. I just gave Quaker a plug. But um, so really these things, I mean, you can hold everything. We put comp compression straps on them to where you can, if you're like me, when you're walking in, especially late season, you're walking in with basically base layers on and then putting your clothes on at the tree stand so you're not sweating walking in. Uh, so the idea is that you can strap anything in is whether that's clothing, if you want to strap a death grip tripod to these things, uh, essentially everything. So that would probably be my choice from a, a whitetail standpoint. They're all hydration compatible as well. You don't get as much, obviously, in a whitetail pack, but uh, why not give more when we can, right? Mm -hmm. For sure. Uh, Western style, I would say, in, in every one of our backpacks, I mentioned that 420 ripstop, that's on all of our backpacks. Uh, the Bino Bivy is a soft shell material, so that's the only one that's different. Uh, but from a Western standpoint, I think it depends partially on the the application. So everything starts with what, I mean, the name says it all, right? The Inception backpack frame. So it's a carbon fiber frame. It has a, a pliable meat hauler on it. And again, has that ripstop material. It's a wraparound waist belt. Uh, and that's the kind of the start of our thing. So obviously you can use that just from a standpoint of hauling meat out, a, a elk head out or mule deer head out or whatever it is, you know, whatever you need to haul out when you're coming back out of the, of the uh, mountains in the back country. Um, but it also links up, I'd kind of mentioned it earlier, is the Helix frame bags. So we have a 3,500 cubic inch option and then a 6,000 cubic inch. So obviously 500 is a little more towards that day pack style where maybe you've already got a camp set up and you're, you're hiking in and out of there every day. Um, 6,000 is kind of that idea of setting up a camp. So if you want to carry in your tent and your sleeping bags and all that as well, that 6,000 is probably the best choice, you know, all your food and you know, dehydrated food and all that as well. So, uh, but that 3,500, it is a light, I think it's five pounds, six ounces i believe is the the weight on that so even from a standpoint of the versatility you get for kind of being out west and being able to haul stuff out that is it's a pretty unheard of weight and and uh, application i would say so and as someone that's hunted out west before we know ounces matter and so every oh, yeah. ounce you can save uh matters so yeah. hey i want to i was telling the doctor about having a little gift for him but I also want to make sure people understand if you're a NDA premium member, okay, a paid NDA member, you get 30% off both of these brands we're talking about here today. So whether you want to get a, a nice new knife from Schrade or you want to get that death grip tripod or a pack, 
30% off if you are a premium member. Now, if you're not a premium member, go become one and then we can get you signed up and then we can get you fitted with the appropriate code to make a purchase from these guys. And I, I just know you're going to be pleased with it. So I wanted to make sure to get that in there. Uh, and before we let you guys go, I'm just curious, uh, any, any big time hunting plans for this fall, anything stand out to you? Uh, this year, a little less than normal. So uh, I think it's going to be hunting Missouri, obviously a lot. And then I'll probably hunt Texas a little bit for whitetails, but you, I'm not doing anything out West this year, which it's been kind of crazy the last couple of years since COVID about drawing a tag or, or any of that. So uh, it's pretty low key a year this year, but that gives me a chance to focus here in Missouri and spend more time bow hunting. And it's not something I've been good at the last couple of years. So uh, I'll, hopefully I can help with like the field to fork event this year. That's this last couple of years. Um, but yeah, and it gives me kind of leaves me wide open, gets me ready for turkey season next year too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And by the way, none of us are really good at bow hunting anyway. We like to think well, we are. Right. So, yeah. That's why I got to spend more time out there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Zach, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, for me, I'm kind of a nomad when it comes to uh, waterfowl hunting. I know Jason probably gets tired of me sometimes on Friday being like, hey, we're thinking about going to Kansas this weekend or maybe Wisconsin or North Dakota or something like that. I I, I love to do that. Uh, it just seems a little easier with tags and stuff, not having to draw, things like that. So uh, definitely love traveling for the waterfowl. Um, so I'm sure there will be a lot of that coming up this uh this winter jason um just letting you know now i guess but uh <laughs> my heads up yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm i think just i'm most excited yeah yeah hey <laughs> the more the merrier right um i think i'm most excited i've been struggling the last couple of years in missouri i had a had a place that i'd hunted for quite some time that ended up selling and since then i'd really struggled to find something but um got a new piece of property this year that i'm really excited about i joined in with uh Matt Kendamore, one of our one of our colleagues here at AOB. So I'm um, really just excited to have a have a place where you know management is obviously well thought of, and uh, you know the ability to do some things, um, you know, like food plots and maybe some hinge cutting and things like that. Just just the ability to have a place to do some of the stuff on the management side of things is super exciting for me. So uh, definitely plan on spending a lot of a lot of time there this fall uh, as well as this summer to try to help get some things ready um but you know i'm just excited to have a place in missouri and oddly enough you know i used to drive about an hour and a half roughly every time i wanted to go and i did it a lot so um it added up a lot of miles on the truck but uh this one's about 15 minutes from the house so that's kind of a another win-win for me so Probably not as much traveling uh, for anything outside of waterfowl this year, um, but definitely excited to be back in Missouri and have something so close to to Columbia that um, is well managed. And um, really, just looking forward to kind of getting back into the swing of Missouri whitetail because been I've been without a place for a while, and I know uh, you know there's a lot of public around here for sure that's really good and sometimes it's just hard to, to find your secluded area that you want to hunt. So I'm excited to uh, have a, have a good option this year to, to do that. So I'm looking forward to taking advantage of that. All right. Well, that sounds awesome. And I'm getting excited too. This will all be here before you know it. Uh, guys Absolutely. can't thank you enough for being on the show. And I, I want to remind folks, you can go, uh, you can find more out about American outdoor brands in general. It's AOB.com. So that's pretty simple. Even the doctor and I could find that one. 
and then also for bog and trade. So it's boghunt.com and trade, S-C-H-R-A-D-E.com. Or if anybody even uses URLs anymore, just Google it and you will find them. And so uh, thanks again to have uh, to you both for being on. Good luck this fall and look forward to catching up with you down the road. All right. Thanks for having yeah. us on. Appreciate it. It was great talking to those guys. You know, it's just about everybody in the industry is pretty avid hunters. We could have just talked to those guys about hunting. They've got some great experience. But uh, one thing I want to point out, we talked about a number of products there, but that death grip tripod is really, really nice. I mean, I got a chance to play with that thing a little bit at the Archery Trade Association show earlier in the year. And, you know, I don't even care if you're somebody that considers yourself a great shot or you've been shooting guns or crossbows for a long time. Uh, I just think that if you can put yourself in a position to make sure that that shot and that aim is steady, I think you should take advantage of that. And and I can tell you, and especially for youth, new hunters, I just, I highly recommend that product because it really does make you rock solid on the rest. Well, you've rifle hunted with me. We've actually done a lot where we've still hunted. And you know, for a fact that I carry, I carry shooting sticks. I have an older set of bod, bog pods that uh, I bought before they revamped to the newer style, but I always have them fully extended, ready to go. And when that one time that you and I jumped that deer on game lands, I mean, you know, the first thing I did is I slammed those things in the ground and get the, get the gun up and I'm in the scope, you know, because it's just one of those things that to take an offhanded shot at a deer that already knows you're there is very tough. But when you add a steady rest, and you have some experience, it becomes a completely doable shot. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's not for someone that's sitting there thinking, oh, that's, that's cheating. I mean, it's not, it's never cheating. You got to remember we're taking lives whenever we harvest an animal and that, that should never get lost. And so I, I just feel like you should take every advantage you can to uh, help yourself make a steady, uh, humane shot on the animal. Uh, also, Hey, I was curious about this, Mike, cause we talked about, you know, backpacks and knives and, so replaceable blade knives. I want to go back a little bit here. Now, I remember as a kid, kind of one of my prized possessions was I got my first hunting knife. Now, I had since gotten and lost 10 hunting knives, right? Like <laughs> anybody who follows me around in the woods is going to have a nice collection of gear that I've lost over the years. But I remember losing knives. But like there was something to like strapping that fixed blade knife on your hip that was, I don't know, there was just, it was just like the smell of, uh, you know, solvent when you clean your gun, it just sort of takes you somewhere. And so I use replaceable blade knives now, and I'm using the, the uh, new one uh, that we talked about on the show, but just sort of your thoughts about that and nostalgia of it. Well, I think it's a, it was always a representation of a rite of passage where your father, uncle, mother, brother, it doesn't matter. Somebody entrusted you with something that could harm you, obviously, but it was like a sign of coming of age or maturity or a certain amount of independence. And that's at least the way it was when I got mine. And I think that to us, that was one of the first steps. It was like the, the BB gun, you know, it was that first indication of at least people that like to hunt and be outdoors or just appreciate life that they're growing up. They're becoming more mature. That's my thoughts on it. Yeah. And there's sort of a, a certainly a, a hand-me-down kind of factor of a knife. Uh, of those, uh, I mean, it doesn't have to be a fixed blade. I had some really nice um, 
uh, lock blade knives as well, which were really cool folding knives. But um, anyway, our friends at the AOB at Trade make a number of fixed blade knives too. But I was just curious about your thoughts. I do, I do like the replaceable blade knives because I've never been really good at sharpening a knife. I mean, I know people that, man, they can sharpen a knife that I'd be afraid to even hold because they're just expert at it. Um, and so I get to cheat a little bit by just, if I need to change the blade, I just pop a new blade on it. So I do like that. And they're very light and practical, but I do kind of miss those old days of carrying a knife and a sheath on my, on my belt. Well, I mean, I still carry a, a fixed blade knife in a sheath. I just keep it in my pack now when I, it's in my, uh, field dressing pack. But, uh, again, it's my favorite knife, lucky knife. I've had it for, you know, at least a, a decade and a half, haven't lost it and, um, continue to use it. And I am a sharpening freak, so I'm comfortable sharpening. It's funny about sharpening. We should, we should have a knife sharpener on the show sometime or someone that sharpens broadheads because I seem to be pretty good at sharpening broadheads, but for whatever reason, knives, I'm not as good. So I don't know what the reason is for that, but, uh, it is a skill. I think I, yeah, I know somebody, I just, uh, I'll 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 give someone a, an email. I have, yeah. I have somebody that might be a good person because there is a, a definite technique, and um, broadheads and knives alike. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's a cool subject people would like to hear about. All right, Mike. Speaking of things people want to hear about or make fun of, it's time for the B team report. Mike, it's your turn, and we haven't talked about this in advance, so I'm kind of curious to see what you're going to come up with here. I mean, you had, you had a pressure washer out. that you Probably something had to go wrong with that. <laughs> um, well, the, the pre-story to that was uh, it was – my wife bought it years ago, and um, just because we have a pool, and it just makes it easier to take care of things in and around the pool. But um, it was just one of those plug-in electronic home models. It wasn't – gas powered you know where you could actually take the paint off a car with the type of pressure washer so uh wound up the the hose broke and started leaking we found a new hose for it but everything went fine with pressure washing my story comes from uh, i was at camp last week and every month and a half i have i like to weed whack around the pond so i have a, a big steel and i put a blade on the front because some of those weeds are rather thick and dense and uh it was after I'd done a bunch of work all day long and it was creeping up on dark and I was literally losing light. The sun was down and I'm weed whacking along. I'm about an, about a good 40 minutes into it. It takes me just about an hour to weed whack that whole thing. And uh, I'm, I'm pushing and I want to get done. And I'm zipping along, not zipping along, but I'm going through my process and don't have my glasses on every as you know just had a birthday so i'm getting older i need glasses now especially in that gray light time and didn't notice but what happened is i'm making my next move lateral move to the right to weed whack another patch i always just do it patch at a time and i step forward and i'm weed whacking along and there's a few more weeds that i want to get and the our pond is not it's regularly shaped but everyone knows edges have you know varied parts where sometimes water erosion causes the the pond to cave in a little bit here and there and the vegetation was hiding 
a little, and I'm going to call it, it's not really an inlet, but a, it would be like an inlet in a real big lake where mm -hmm. it actually was closer to me than I thought it was. And I step in and I'm, I'm up to my knee, but I'm running this steel. And the thing is literally like six feet long. And I'm already thinking I am not ruining another piece of equipment because I'm going like forward head chest first. <laughs> and so what I do is I take that steel and luckily I, I have two types of attachments. One, I have a shoulder sling and the other one I have a, it's like a waist belt when I'm doing a lot of weed whacking, it puts it on my hip and it takes the weight off my shoulders. And so luckily I have the shoulder sling on. I literally, my right leg is going in. I'm already up to my knee. I start spinning around toward the bank and try and get the steel out, outside of the, over the pond and get it onto land. I am twisting, trying to not ruin this piece of equipment. I mean, literally, I look like a, you know, like a leopard seal trying to, you know, slide up onto the bank <laughs> to eat a penguin and, and, and just miss it by a mile type of thing. I mean, I'm flopping around. I mean, it's like, it, it's like a fiasco. And literally, I get the steel on. I've got my right legs in the water now, my left legs in the water, I'm in up to my waist. And now I got to try and start to crawl out. And so I, it's just, you know, it's literally like a beach whale, you know, because everything is like, like I'm at, at the waist level, but I don't have a lot of power to get up because every time I push, I sink in a little bit. And long story short, um, there was no more weed whacking of the pond done that evening, you know, and so I had to crawl my way out carry everything back up to the house, put the, everything away. And luckily I live out in the middle of nowhere, not to, you know, we still want to keep this clean, but needless to say, Mike did not walk in the house with wet pants, undergarments, <laughs> boots, socks, etc. So, um, wow. And it was a trip right straight to the shower to get that. Um, everyone knows what that pond smells like when you're in oh, the, yeah. like some of the decomposing gases and stuff, but there's my B team report. Man, you know what that made me th it made me think of two things. First thing it made me think of is that we should probably just wear body cameras, and then oh. we could we could show our B team <laughs> reports, uh, you know, live for people could see it. The other thing is, it made me think of waterfowl hunting, which I used to do a lot of. And so a lot of times you find yourself walking through these marshes and whatnot, and the footing's uneven, and the times where you know you're going down. And a lot of times it's like slow motion, right? Because it's just the, the nature of the beast. Yep. And you're and you're in that split second, you're trying to decide where to put the gun. And so you find yourself in that position where you're holding the gun like above your head so that it doesn't go underwater. So that's kind of what that story made me think of. Yeah, it was it was not. I mean, to be there and see it, I swear to God, it probably would have put somebody in the hospital laughing. But uh, like you said, in the moment, there was a slow motion component to that. But it seems like you're seeing it in slow motion, but your body's not reacting any faster. So long story short, the steel is up and is perfectly fine. It was dry and maybe got a little bit of splash to it. But beyond that, um, everything's good. All right. Our older listeners will maybe remember this. Eddie Murphy used to do a skit where he would talk about his grandmother falling down the steps and how it took her like a half hour to, to get to the bottom, it seems like. And she... <laughs> you know, set a bunch of stuff on the way down. And it's, it's sort of that slow motion effect there. But I have to dig that up and see if I can find again. That is not Coffee and Deer podcast appropriate material, but it's pretty darn funny. All right, my turn. We have a mowing theme, by the way, for this episode. So we'll talk about this in a second, but I hosted a Habitat hike uh, at my place this past weekend. 
and I tried to get out. Well, I wanted to get out ahead of time and get my trails mowed. They needed to be mowed anyway, so that people could have a nice, you know, comfortable place to walk and not have to worry about wearing knee-high boots and all this. And so I'm out trimming the trails, and the first section is up on the upper end of my place. And while I'm up there, I'm thinking, I don't know, there's no gas gauge on this mower. I haven't checked it. So I'm wondering when the last time I put gas in this thing was. But I'm like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I should be good. I think I put it in recently. So to get down to the lower end of the property, I have to go past my shed to get to the lower end of the property. Now, all I needed to do was stop for one second and take a look and see how much gas I had, right? Well, no, I'm like, ah, I'm sure I got enough. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? Well, I found out what the worst that could happen would be because I got all the way to the end. I just got to the end of the furthest point I could be on cutting that last trail. And it's where we ended the event. And literally right there, the lawnmower runs out of gas. <laughs> so now I have to walk all the way back up to my garage and then I get the uh, get the gas can. Luckily, I have my Ranger there, so I drive the Ranger down. But now I I feel the gas tank up, which is great. But now I got to take the Ranger back up and then walk back down to get the mower that had run out of gas and finish my trail. All I had to do, I know myself, right? Stop and fill the thing up with gas, <laughs> or maybe learn how to toggle to the the little. It's got a little digital display on the mower. Like learn how to see how much gas you have. No. I decided that I had enough. And so there, another <laughs> another lesson learned. So I got another one I'll share in a second. It's not really a, a B team because it wasn't within my control, but it felt like a B team moment. So there you have it, folks, the B team report for this episode. Uh, speaking of that habitat hike, Mike, that was a lot of fun. Uh, the first time I've hosted people there to show them what I've been up to. And um, yeah, I think you know, between you and I, I think we gave them a pretty good understanding of uh, number one, there's a lot of work to do. It never ends. And number two, even though you may have made some progress, there's always something else to be working on. Right. And that's the one thing I appreciated. And I think the 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 people that actually came out to participate in that appreciated is the fact that you were actually pointing out specific invasives that, you know, as a land manager, like you realize that, yes, I have invasives, but here's how I am dealing with them to a certain degree here's how i'm living with them to a certain degree because there's only so much that you can do i mean everyone when they think about it from stop to start whether it be their, your food plots or your invasives every every stop we made had that theme where you pointed out that it's not perfect but yet it's working and i think that was a message that really hit home with a lot of people well, we talked a lot about prioritization and you can take a shotgun approach and never really accomplish anything, or you can at least have some general approach you want to make. And uh, the other thing I thought that was fun, and I really wanted to make sure we did it was when we walked out into the clover field and we just listened and people could hear all of the, the bees, pollinators buzzing around, the birds coming in, just how many animals use that area. And so we talked a lot about overall habitat management and benefits to all wildlife. And it was, uh, it was a good night. So I enjoyed that. Uh, hey, starting to get some good pictures on camera. Um, got a nice, nice looking 10 point uh, on camera. I think it's going to turn out to be a good deer at Giant Bear. Um, it's It's been good. The, the one B team report I was going to say uh, that felt like a B team report. So one of my cameras I set up on the state game lands. And of course, it's all the way at the top of the mountain. And so it's a hike to get up there. And I set this camera up there and it's a cell cam. It's a Moultrie mobile camera. 
and I get all of a sudden I start getting these nice pictures of this buck that, that was up there that I, I'm pretty sure it's the same one I got pictures of in the winter. And then lo and behold, that same evening, the next pictures I get is, are of a porcupine working over my camera and he turns that thing upside down. So I literally had to scale that mountain again the other day just to reset that camera. So, you know, not really a B team report, but sort of felt like a B team report. <laughs> Yeah, those things happen. It's just all all part of the magic of putting things out and, and interacting with wildlife. You know, some of them are curious and other ones, not so much. I mean, at least it wasn't destroyed by a bear. You know, the camera was still usable. You just had to take some steps. Yeah, we don't want to get into the debate about cellular cameras or not and all that. I mean, I think one of the huge benefits of them are if I did not know that camera got turned upside down, it would have sat up there for months. And I went up and checked it and realized that it was essentially worthless to me all that time. So anyway, how about you, Mike? You uh, got a few cameras out. Have you bothered to check them yet? Or you've been traveling back and forth, so you might not have had time. Well, like I said, I'm at home doing, you know, chugging away at my honey-do list. So, but I, for the first, second time, I should say in my life, I have cameras out in July. So that's a big step for me. But it, uh, to me, the fact that I'm using the the Cuddy Link system in this in the solar panels, they did such a good job last year for longevity and not having to, you know, replace batteries. I just said, well. If that works that well, I'm just going to put them out. And so I started to slowly put them out. I have three cameras out. I still have five more to go. And um, then I have all my state or public land cameras. They're all doctored up. Cards are cleaned. I'm ready to start moving those. So I, I, for me, I'm a little bit early, but um, there's nothing wrong with being early because I believe that last year I didn't get nearly the time that I wanted to to hunt with that transition to the new job. So this year I am all caught up and ready to go. So you got to get out there and get the time in the woods. Yes, absolutely. And the time is now. So good. Yeah, we'll continue to report on that. Um, incidentally, folks, if you're listening to this and you got a cool trail camera picture, or something you want us to check out, email it. Email it to me, nick at deerassociation.com. Gives us something else to discuss here. And uh, if you have any questions about something you see, we can we can give it a shot to do that. All right, folks, a few NDA announcements here, and this all has to do with membership before we close out the show. The first one is just a reminder that we have the free NDA membership option. And so if you've been sitting there listening to the show or following NDA and you've not become at least a, a free basic member, please do that. All you have to do is go to our website, click the join button, and you will uh, fill out your physical address, your email address, and you're in. That's all you got to do. You get our newsletter. Uh, you get notified of issues coming up in your area that you can weigh in on. Uh, you're also eligible for our basic member prize drawings. Right now, we are giving away an HHA Optimizer Bow site. doesn't cost you anything to get into that. It's free. So it's sort of your entree into the NDA. And we signed up a couple members the other day at the Habitat Hike. All right, premium membership. I did not talk about this last time, but I want to talk about it today. So this is the more traditional membership. If you want to pay a few bucks, support the organization, which we love that you do that, obviously. Our premium membership. Uh, now, normally this is going to go for 49 bucks, but we're still doing it for 35 for a while. So if you're hearing this and you want to join as a premium member, do it now while it's 35 bucks, okay? So you're going to get special discounts on Deer Steward courses. Actually, I'm leaving. Uh, you're listening to this on a Wednesday. I will have already gone and been back 
from a habitat module that we're doing in Missouri. So you get discounts on those, you get discounts on gear from NDA corporate sponsors. And these are big discounts, folks. So we're talking, we just we just talked with our friends from Bog and Trade, 30% off those items. Okay, other companies we have on board, Alps Outdoors, Pax, 30% off. Uh, Vortex Optics, Analogics, Black Rifle Coffee Company, Banks Outdoors, the list goes on, okay? Uh, they're not all 30%, it varies, but again, be, by becoming a premium member, you're gonna we're gonna give you discount codes that you can use for products and you're very quickly gonna pay for your membership right there. You still get the NDA hat and decal. You get discounts on NDA merchandise. So you want a cool NDA t-shirt, you get a discount on that. And we're also gonna do regular NDA member prize drawings. It doesn't cost you anything to enter. And we're giving away some pretty nice stuff. We were just talking about what our upcoming prizes are gonna be for that. Uh, in a meeting yesterday. So that's coming up. And also you get exclusive invitations to NDA premium live events. So uh, we're talking things like, you know, maybe they're a habitat chat, ask NDA anything. We could do those live. You can only get that though, if you're a premium member. So check that out. And finally, and this has been popular since we announced it, our life membership. Now this is a pricey membership. I get it. Our life membership has been $1,500 for a long time. I get it. It's a lot of money. But you get all of the benefits that we just described. Plus, you get your choice. You're, you're going to get a NDA life member rifle, bolt action rifle, a Howa bolt action rifle in either 6.5 Creedmoor or 308. So you're getting basically half your you know, half the money towards your life membership back in a rifle that's going to have the cool NDA life member logo engraved in the stock. Uh, this has been popular since we announced it and we've done a bunch of them already. Uh, so you get all of the benefits I already said, plus the, uh, you'll get the life member decal, you'll get a life member keepsake. So a little something for your office, uh, the rifle, and also we will have life member prize drawings as well, you know, high-end items and uh, printed copies of the NDA deer report and our annual report. So if you're interested, you've been around NDA for a while and you want to be a member for life, this is a great time to take advantage of it. All right, that's a lot. Mike, anything else for the good of the order today? No, I think that's a well-rounded episode. Yeah, I think so too. It's always fun on our end. We're happy to bring it to you. We hope you enjoy it. National Deer Association, where we are united for deer.